Hello, listeners, and welcome to another edition of Take Talks. Today, our guest is Chris Bug, who owns Kova Professional Development, which is a Sandler training uh, company. Um, Chris is a, a veteran of the U.S. Navy, uh, used to fly F-18s, um, go Navy, shout out to my dad as well. Um, Beat Army. Beat Army, that's right. Go Navy, Beat Army. Uh, Brian Stevens won't like that one, being being the uh, the Army guy that we he still is. Love so, the Army. it's all in good, <laughs> it's all in good fun. It is, it is, it absolutely is. So, um, so Chris, thanks again for for joining me. Um, I know right now it's kind of a, a a weird time for everybody as we all kind of manage our schedules and our time. Um, but I do want to I do want to jump right in and and. Um, Talk a little bit about what you do with uh, Sandler Training. Um, who is it that you work with, and and do you have a particular audience or a particular group of professionals that you tend to work with the most? Thanks for having me, Jay. Yeah. Uh, we serve as a growth advisor to, to all sorts of businesses. I mean, some of them are, are one man uh, or one woman entrepreneurial endeavors. Others are large companies, and usually that takes the form of coaching and training, and that could be with the management team, the customer care team, or we're probably best known for working with the sales team. And, and so typically, the clients who are working with us, um, they're doing well. Uh, although, right now, everybody's wondering <laughs> what's gonna happen. But, yeah. but in general, they've been doing well, but there's a sense that they're leaving something on the table. And so they're either concerned about their prospecting system, uh, they might even say, hey, we don't even have a prospecting system and we want something sustainable over varying business conditions, kind of like we're seeing now. Yeah. In other cases, they may say, hey, we're worried that we don't have a solid qualification process. Uh, maybe they're spending way too much time with the wrong people, perhaps doing some unpaid consulting uh, at the expense of spending time with more ideal prospects. And so uh, they, they come and work with us and we, we give them strategies and skills and behaviors and attitudes to help them uh, be more effective out there uh, doing commerce. Gotcha. So, uh, and you bring up a good point because I think, uh, a lot of times when people think of Sandler, they do think in, almost immediately about the sales side of it. Um, but you bring up the coaching and, and some of the other aspects of what you all offer. And, uh, I had a discussion a couple of weeks ago with, uh, Chris Rice with music makes you happy. And one of the things he talked about was the, a big change in his career um, was finding a coach and, mm -hmm. and what a huge difference that had made to, for him as an entrepreneur, but not on the sales side. I mean, while there were some sales involved in order to grow the business, but it, it was about all aspects of the business. So can you talk a little bit about that aspect of, of how you work with different companies um, that is kind of maybe outside the norm of what most people are expecting? Yeah, no, sure. I mean, sometimes, and you mentioned sales training, even with sales training, there's a certain amount that's training. Hey, look, let's learn the language, learn the systems, let's practice in a group environment. But then there are aspects that are one-on-one -on -one coaching. Let's, let's work with your particular challenges that you want to work on, your opportunities. It turns out that you know, Sandler started in sales. That's just where it started. But really, the whole foundation of Sandler's 
basic human psychology. <laughs> and, and so it turns out that the, the platform on which it was built has, is, is entirely relevant to management, to customer care, to leadership. And so we do enter a lot of coaching type relationships where we're working one-on-one -on -one with clients and we're helping them identify, hey, what are the, just like with a salesperson, they have to identify the behaviors they can do on a consistent day, basis every day is gonna result in long-term success. Well, we try to do the same thing with our, with our other coaching clients. What are you trying to produce? Yeah. Okay, what are the behaviors you need to commit to on a, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis in order to, to monitor and ultimately achieve your, your path to success? Gotcha. Um, and that kind of to work backwards a little bit, because um, you talk about the leadership portion of it, um, and I'm interested to, to ask you a little bit about how that transition took place. Um, here, you're a, you're a strike fighter pilot coming out of the Navy. Um, I know you, you worked in the civilian world for, I believe it was about, about 10 years, I guess, um, before coming to Sandler. So how did that transition take place and, and kind of what led you from the, the military and obviously leadership roles that you had there and, and where you ended up with Sandler. Yeah, um, I think the, the common thread here is that I had decided back in, when I got out off active duty in the Navy in 2008 and really I made that decision, I believe it was late 2006, I had to make that decision. I had decided at that point Coastal Virginia was my home, it was where my family was and uh, at that point, there, there's a lot of people who have made much bigger sacrifices than I have uh, in service to their country. Me and my family, we, we just were not in a, in a position to, to move. And, uh, and ironically enough, the same decision led me to be an entrepreneur. I worked for two large companies, uh, eight years with, with Harris Corporation and a couple years with Viasat. And both of them were headquartered outside of this area. And for both of them, most of my clients were outside oh, wow. of this area. And so, you know, if I wanted to grow professionally, I would either have to leave Coastal Virginia or I'd have to build a career here. And gotcha. that's, that's part of what, what led me um, along my, my entrepreneurial journey. Uh, but, but really, that started even while I was in the Navy. I was the guy who was uh, always getting involved with new initiatives. Yeah. finding new, better ways to try to do things, experimenting, that sort of thing. And, and in fact, while most of my peers went to the airline, I did interview with one airline. It was a startup, so go figure. Um, <laughs> they have gone bankrupt since, because that was pre-2008. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and, and then I got, to, you know, I got to interview with a bunch of companies uh, coming out of the Navy. One of them had an entrepreneurial approach to the defense market, and that, that excited me, and that's why I ended up at Harris. And, gotcha. um, okay. and, and so the, I think entrepreneur, the, the entrepreneurialism has, has always kind of been a you know, part of my, my makeup, and it's fun to finally get to really do it here locally. Yeah. In our community. Yeah, that's great. Well, I, I can't argue that fact. I, we, uh, I had plenty of time as a Navy brat to move all over the country, and obviously my wife and I settled here as well. And it's, you, you probably sacrificed yeah. more than I did. <laughs> I, I do joke that I did put in my 18 years of service. You I did. I, I may not have had the stripes and the bars on my sleeve, but yeah, I, 
I definitely uh, definitely spent my time on the uh, on the travel circuit. So, um, so what would you say, especially talking from a leadership standpoint, but also from an entrepreneurial standpoint? What do you feel like you pulled the most from within your naval experience as a civilian yeah. um, once you did get out of the military? It, it has evolved over time. I I think in my my days. At, at Harris as a, a young salesperson and, and as a capture you know strategic leader there it was um, it was a complex organization highly matrix you had engineers um, kind of task organized to support business development and you had program managers and you had all these different functions in the business all had different um, reporting chains chains of command so to speak gotcha. uh, and they all had to work effectively together one thing we did really well um, in in the Navy and really across all the services is we had this, well, obviously had this concept of chain, chain of command, not entirely appropriate in the civilian world, but you always had this sense of who the supporting and who the supported unit or commander was. So if you're out there in a joint environment, you could have two similarly ranking individuals, but it was clear who was supporting whom, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and I thought that sense was often lost in the corporate world, but it was absolutely necessary in these matrixed organizations in order to um, develop a sense of, of, of mission, which we came with, yeah. right? But also figure out you know, who really has responsibility, who's in a, um, a supporting role, which is by no means a backseat, yeah. Uh, and, and so that we could get the job done most effectively. So I think that that served me very well. Fast forward a number of years is very different what I what I take away now. Yeah. Um, some of the stuff I've had to leave behind, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. Well, I think I think in the Navy, you know, you don't have all these different personality types. Everybody kind of <laughs> conforms yeah. to a, a norm, and you don't have to be particularly sensitive with how you treat people. I, I, I'm in a world now where no one um, gets paid to communicate effectively with me, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? It's my responsibility yeah. to communicate effectively with other people. And so yeah. I've had to kind of abandon this um, paradigm where yeah, I can sort of treat everybody similarly yeah. and be effective. Yeah. That doesn't work in this world. But other things are very much the same. Hey, our our approach to training in the Navy just happens to be very similar to our approach to professional excellence at Sandler. Yeah. In, in the Navy, we, we worked from a curriculum. We didn't fly by the seat of our pants. We, yeah. we had a curriculum. We yeah. used to say it was written in blood. Same thing at Sandler. We, we work from a proven curriculum that, that is managed, updated, and improved over time. Um, in the Navy, the first time you landed on a boat in the dark, you didn't actually experience it the first time, strapped to an ejection seat in a 35,000 pound airplane that was gonna <laughs> impact within 200 feet of 200 sailors. You did yeah. this thing called simulation first. We do the same thing. Gotcha. In the Navy, we prepared and we debriefed our missions. We do the same thing here. So yeah. what you take is, is different yeah. in different parts of your career. And I, and I know there will be something different down the line. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting because you you and I talked about this a little bit before we we started the podcast, but you you mentioned about your transition out, which was in two thousand eight. 
Um, and there's a lot of parallels between when you decided to get out of the, the Navy, which quite honestly, I mean, like it or not, the, the Navy is a, it's stable. I mean, you know mm -hmm. the paycheck's coming in every two weeks or four weeks, whatever the pay cycle is. Um, I mean, you pretty much know what your mission is, when it is. And in 2008, you step out of that role and a little bit of that security and, and you walk into the business community during a, the biggest financial yeah. crash, at least till that time. Um, and here we are, it's uh, what, 12 years later, and we have military uh, professionals that are getting ready to transition out of the military and they're looking at our current situation with the COVID and I'm sure there are plenty of them that are wondering, oh my gosh, now what? Um, can you talk a little bit about kind of what you learned from that time period and some of the challenges you had to face? Because the reality is a lot of transitioning military personnel can have a hard time sometimes transitioning into civilian life to begin with. And then to have done so when you did so, and now as some of these military personnel are gonna be transitioning out, how did you manage that? And, and what were some of the challenges that you, you had to overcome? And, and did you overcome all of them? Mm -hmm. Well, it, I, I think what we're, what we're going through now is much more difficult than anything I had to go through in 2008. Yeah. So, you know, if it's okay, I'll answer this in two parts. Yeah, um, absolutely. It, in 2008, um, I interviewed, I, I had, I, you know, I had a J.O. junior officer placement firm, it gave me an opportunity to interview with, I think, nine different companies in one day from nine different industries, probably for nine different types of roles. Okay. Wow. And only one of them was a defense company. I happened to go with the defense company. Okay. And not because of my Navy experience. Um, in 2008 and 2009, my, my, the business unit that I was in of our company, we had our best year in history. Wow. Okay. Because we were making equipment that had to go on MRAPs um, in Afghanistan and Iraq. And so I, I was insulated from what happened in 2008 and was fortunate in so many ways that, that other people weren't. And I had stability that was maybe not the same stability I had in the Navy, Yeah. but it was stable. Um, I almost think further back. It, it, this to me feels a little bit more like 2001. Okay. Um, for two reasons. One, um, 2001, I, I was on active duty. In fact, I was on my way out to the ship when, when it happened um, for, for a six-week exercise. But 2001 was very surreal. And, and I think what, what we're going through now is very surreal. I mean, there's a... Yeah. There, there, 2008 was probably surreal for a lot of people too, but not, yeah. but not for as many people. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that happened in 2001, which I, I didn't get the sense was as prevalent in 2008, was that people wanted to help. And not that people didn't want to help in 2008, but yeah. there was this, I mean, I went off on a six week exercise, literally the day after the, 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 tragedy at the World Trade Center and came, came, was gone for six weeks, came back six weeks later to a whole new world. I mean, that, yeah. that was sur surreal and, and everybody was enormously supportive as us. 
uh, being on active duty, supportive of public safety, yellow ribbons everywhere, and so on. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting a sense that that's happening now. Yeah. Right. In a different way, it's almost you know being more supportive of each other of you know what you guys are doing here at the chamber to try to find ways to support member member and non-member businesses um, in the area. And so I think. I'm not going to call it optimism yet because I don't think we've gotten there yet. I think people are still in a um, a little bit of shock and there's a lot of uncertainty. But yeah, but there's this eagerness out there to help, and I, I think that makes it different. So that only answers one part of the question. The other part is, like, what about all these people getting out? Yeah, um, it's a it's a tough time to get out. But I think I think what a lot of veterans miss getting out, especially here in Hampton Roads, um, is that we do have a very vibrant business community. Yeah. Um, and if you look at the, and you, not every, not all the opportunities are connected to their past service in obvious ways. And, and what's always been fascinating to me is those veterans who were base commanding officers locally None of them going in the defense industry. <laughs> None of them go to the airlines. They go into local business yeah. roles. Yeah. Um, Bill Crow, he's at the Virginia Ship Repair Association. Lou Shager, he runs Mosquito Joe. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, uh, Mr. Meadows across the water over in Portsmouth, he he runs the plant over at Lynx Industries. So. I, I would encourage anyone getting out, even in this uncertain time, get to know all the people that those guys essentially got to know by accident. The difference is they're going to have to do it on purpose, yeah. right? Yeah. They were base CEOs. They got thrust in a position where they were coming to chamber meetings and stuff like yep. that. But anybody can do that. They're not uniquely qualified for those jobs, although they're all outstanding people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I agree, too, from from the standpoint that um, and I didn't even see this as much when I was growing up. But as an adult and being back in the Hampton Roads uh, community is the amount of volunteer work that is done by the military that is is ingrained into the mindset of the professionals that come out of the military. Um, and it's one reason that I think that we are as well known throughout the nation for our volunteerism and our giving community is because I think so much of that is, is built into the DNA of the military to your point that then turn around and stay in the community. Um, and it's, and then I think that carries over into the business community because of the fact that they are then the leaders of those organizations and they're saying this was something that they they just took for granted. This is the way it's done. I mean, that we give back to the community. So I do agree that um, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but the, the, the parallels between 2001 and, and now, you, you really are already seeing that. The, the amount of people in a very short period of time that are already reaching out every day, I mean, every hour. My, my emails have been blowing up for the last really probably week and a half to two weeks as far as 
the different economic development departments, mm -hmm. the different city departments, the, the different companies. Um, if you're on anything like LinkedIn, it's just, you can't pull up your feed without seeing who's offering what to who and what restaurants are trying to do what. And, and I think that for a community like this, I think that's where if we come out of this on the back end better off than other communities, I think that's a big part of the reason why is that it's just built into who we seem to be as a, as a community. So um, I, I totally agree and I'm glad you brought that up because that was, it's something I hadn't really looked at from that standpoint, but it is much more parallel to that than say well i mean i think the yeah. comparisons to 2008 are totally totally fair i just yeah. happen to you know be be insulated from that yeah and I call, you know i'm lucky uh but you know it's a tough time i i, yeah. I do sense you know that the attitude is how can i help yep it's yep. not completely defeatist it's it's how can i help and that's yeah. going to serve as well as we go into tomorrow next week and you know the backside of this yeah thing yeah absolutely um so if if we were in a normal environment um which i think even as far back as when i originally reached out to you to talk about all this um what give me an uh, an idea kind of for someone who's who's thinking about this and like i said chris rice and i talked about it a little bit is when you're talking to someone who's thinking through this or a company that's thinking through okay do do we want to do we want to make the investment i mean the mm -hmm. the obvious answer is it is what you put into it but um it's still a struggle for both individuals and companies for that matter to be willing to put in an investment in like this because it is as as chris and i talked about it's it's an investment just not just financially but it's your investment of your time it's your investment of of keeping yourself organized to be able to balance the time that you give up to do this to then do the work that you're being asked to do um so when you sit down with people how do you work through that initial portion of okay how do we make this investment how how do we get the most out of it yeah i mean i, I think it starts with Hey, what what are you what are you trying to achieve? Right? What 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 are your goals and what's making it um, what's encumbering your ability to achieve them? Yeah. Right. And and for someone that you know, for someone that doesn't have very concrete goals, uh, it can be very very hard to rationalize. Now, someone like that, that's usually the first thing we <laughs> end up working on. Yeah. Right. But. Yeah. But if you if you don't have that to start with, it can be hard to rationalize that kind of investment because, yeah. you know, and, and so that's where you're starting. And, and and then, I mean, and this is sort of part of our approach to selling in general. You know, if you can't find a compelling reason to work together, we don't even need to, to talk about investment. Yeah. yeah. Okay, because it just doesn't matter. Yeah. But, but I think you brought up a really good point. Um, that investment goes far beyond the... the the dollars and cents you're going to pay for a consultant, a coach, a trainer, a curriculum, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, in every case, it, there's got to be priorities that were deferred. There's an opportunity cost. Um, there is political capital, right? Yeah. That you have to sacrifice to adopt an initiative like that. Um, the the time investment is very easy to. To, to measure right mm -hmm. and, the, and the time investment is not 
by any means insignificant. And I think at the end of the day, no one does this. Uh, and, and certainly in, in our in, in world going forward where people are, are have to be judicious yeah. about new investments, you, you don't do it unless you can calculate a real return, yeah. probably in terms of dollars and cents. Um, so how do you take time out of the things that you're doing on a daily basis in the course of doing your actual job for something like training or coaching well you're only going to do it if you think you're going to get be more productive yeah in the balance of the time yeah and sometimes we're able to identify that productivity increase and sometimes we can't if we can't that conversation's relatively short and that's yeah. okay gotcha well and to that point um how often do you come across a situation where the business leadership whether that that leader be a single person or or a board or a group of people that are saying, okay, this is something we need, but you come up against uh, some friction when it comes to the individuals that you're actually working with. Um, you're talking you... about hostages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, hey, hostages. It. You know what? They're. they're we're fairly gentle, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and 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 I, in most cases, they come around. Yeah. Um. And where that comes from usually is sometimes it comes from the individual. Yeah. You know, they they're naturally open-minded people, and they they don't want to waste their time, and so it makes sense to take a sip, yeah, and, and see if they can apply it, and and things go go well the other case is and, and we try to do this with all our clients it comes down to executive buy-in yeah it if the executives if the leaders are on board it usually sorts itself out one yeah. way or the other and, yeah. and so we that's something we do generally demand yeah of our clients say hey th this isn't going to make sense unless you are personally invested in this beyond writing me a check yeah yeah. Well, and the time portion of it is big because I think it has to go both ways from you can't have an executive asking a professional to give of their time to take part in something like that. And then the whole time that person's doing that, they're being asked by their leadership, well, okay, well, you, I still, you still need to be doing this and why aren't you answering calls? Yeah. And I mean, you ha it's, as you said, it's gotta be a buy-in by everybody. So yeah. if, if I'm gonna ask you to do that, then I have to understand that for those two hours, whatever that time commitment is, that we're all a clear understanding that that, that time is there to, be, to, to do the instruction and, mm -hmm. and to, to grow. Um, and not just, well, you got to work it out on your time, but you're still working with that's my right. time. Um, so that's, and that's a big part of it is, do you get a lot of, I mean, cause you tend to work with a lot of companies. How often do you get individuals that, that are willing to, to step up and, and kind of commit their own funding to do something like that? Um, I've got several individuals who do that. Usually yeah. they're salespeople, yeah. right? Because if, if you're a commission salesperson, you, you can rationalize um, that that investment yeah. or, or, or determine that it's not appropriate, yeah. right? So that yeah. that's always worth a conversation. Um, 
sometimes it can be a business owner. I mean, a business owner of a small business is not a whole lot unlike a yeah an individual. Yeah, and, and so it's not unusual. Um, it's not necessarily what what I what I go out and look for, but you, yeah, but because you find it all the time. And yeah. you don't need to look for it. And, yeah, and people who are um, ambitious and focused on personal growth and and who want to make more money yeah uh it, it can make a lot of sense gotcha um well before we wrap up is there anything else you would like the listeners to know either about yourself about your business um companies that that, that you are looking to work with or that you want to uh, give a shout out to i look i i think this week my, my shout outs to to our community yeah um I'm looking forward to us uh, getting back to to a semblance of uh, I'm not going to say normal, but yeah. but but a uh, a habit of being productive and finding our way of doing that. Um, that we have a wonderful community. You know, our community is a reason I am where I am. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I look forward to to any conversations really on on any topic about business or. Or our community right here in, in in Hampton Roads because hey we we got a great place we got a good thing going and uh, I'm excited about what's going to happen you know moving forward yeah. especially with the leadership we have here locally yeah absolutely and and I do think it's um, that's something that some of us have kind of it's been somewhat of a lost art to pick up the phone just make a phone call. I there's think if ever there's ex- absolutely, <laughs> and that's exactly what I, I'm I was thinking was that I think that the time of getting back to just simply picking up the phone to make a phone call, not for a sale, not for an ask, not for anything other than just to say, how are you? What can I do? Can I help? Uh, do you just want to sit and just talk? Just. Yeah just to have a conversation with someone for, for even just five minutes, I think is, is going to be something that we're, we're kind of back to the future on. So, yep. um, I, I can't agree with you more on that one. Well, again, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to everybody today. And, and, uh, uh again, uh, it, the offer goes out to you or anyone else for that matter. Uh, here at the chamber if if you just you need resources or just somebody to talk to we're here i know chris he's the same way please don't hesitate to reach out to him and for those who do want to contact you what is the best way to reach you best way to reach me is probably email chris.bug at sandler.com or hit me up on linkedin okay not a lot of Chris Bugs on, on LinkedIn, so I think you'll be able to find me, B-U-G-G, and uh, yep. look forward to connecting. Yeah, you do have a good following on LinkedIn. I, I can vouch for that. So, uh, well, thank you again for coming out today. Thank you, listeners of Tag Talks, for uh, checking in with us. Uh, I do hope you're all being uh, safe. I uh, hope everybody's healthy, and uh, I'll check back with you all in another week. Take care.